chill. Take me on the ride. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we force our opinions into your hearing holes. What we lack in education, we make up for with rants, raves, and rambles. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, comedian, actress, improviser, probably a bunch of other stuff I don't even know about. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out today. Priya Rani Kumar. Hey. Thanks so much for being on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is super cool. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a while, so I was super stoked to chat with you and find out a movie that you have a strong connection to. But before we get into that, I like to get into the background of people's experience with movies in general like whether it's in the theater watching with their family and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna ask you a couple questions in regards to that and get a sense of your movie experience for sure what is your preference for watching movies like do you prefer to watch them at home or in the movie theater or on a plane (laughs) oh my gosh well, planes have it's definitely a type of movie. Like this, there's that, that's definitely like my own personal like genre of movies. Like that would be a plane movie because like, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you have to force to watch it kind of thing. But <laughs> totally. gotta keep you uh, awake. Yeah, exactly. That's actually how I watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It was on a plane, but oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, preference, I think, at home. I mean, I think just in my old age now, at the old age of 29, like I just feel (laughs) so like used to being at home at this point, you know, especially with last year and everything. It's like, yeah, I think I'm just so just comfortable. And then streaming has made it so much easier. And like, I don't have to go outside or like wear pants or like like that. But I, I still appreciate the theater. That's always like an experience, like a special movie, you know, big budget special effects movies kind of thing because of that do you like drive-in movie theaters oh yeah we've done that a couple times i think there was pretty fun the best part was just bringing our own food so like (laughs) just oh we spent so much money on food and then just like felt really bad after but like it was really cool (laughs) i had like taco bell and like it was just like oh this is this is a treat hell yeah also pants optional at a drive-in that's the other thing i like as long as you stay in the car i guess exactly What was the first movie that you ever saw in a movie theater? I honestly think it was an Indian movie because my parents like, like literally watching Bollywood Indian movies. That was like an every week occasion. Like we'd go down to the store, rent a movie from the Indian store. And it was every Friday night we would do that. And like, I think I remember there's like this really old, like early Indian movie that I I remember watching. I just remember like one scene from it in the theater, you know? So that's like my memory of it. I don't remember the movie. I just remember just this one scene in particular. Why do you remember the scene? Like, do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was the main love couple in the movie. They were on a train and the train was moving and I think they were it might have been a song because there's a lot of songs in Indian movies so like <laughs> it could have been the visuals of the train going by and the background looking kind of weird or like they were singing on it or something but it was just very like <laughs> I don't know it was just very vivid and, and like yeah. an acid trip <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like, 
was that experience with like the whole family, like the whole family went to see a movie? Yeah, it would usually be the whole family with like our cousins and stuff too, like extended family. <laughs> like we'd all Dang. Make- Oh, because there's only <laughs> one theater. There was only one theater and it uh, was in Fremont or Union City, like one of those Bay Area cities. I think it was Fremont. It was called Nas 8. It was Nas 8 Cinemas. It was a theater <laughs> specifically made for in- like for Indian movies. Oh, but it was wow. like a full on like movie theater. It was like a small like one, two screens or something like that. That's so cool. What a cool, unique experience. And <laughs> to have like the whole family come out. That's fun. Yeah. And then just you'd see all the Indian people in the area and like everyone knew about it. We had like one of those plastic cups like <laughs> that you take, like you keep home like as a souvenir and like have a little thing on it. Yeah, that's bizarre. I didn't even think about that until now. Like I forgot <laughs> that existed in my memory. <laughs> like that's yeah. yeah, that's awesome. What a cool community experience. Like that's the kind of shit that I love. Like when movies bring people together, or bring people out or introduce yeah. each other to like-minded people or similar backgrounds and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. It's always a common interest and a common thing. So, and like in our family, like we didn't talk much to each other, but like, <laughs> but like it was like the, you know, watching the movies like on Friday nights or going out to, that was always a thing that was just mm. like, okay, we're just going to sit here and watch and whatever. So in the absence of like other emotional connection, you at least had movies together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that could be a whole nother podcast. Like, yeah. Diving into the psychological like kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. For me and my family, that was like video games, like nothing else but video games. That's mm-hmm. all we can. We'll bond over that. <laughs> what was the last movie that you saw in theaters? Um, I, I guess I have to sort of change this question now. Because for a while it was like the theaters were all shut down, but now they're open again. So I would say, what was the last movie that you saw before they shut down again? Assuming you haven't been back since they reopened. Right. No, I haven't. It was a Marvel movie, probably. I feel so bad because I feel like I should know this, but we just saw so, you know, there's so many. I I know there's, there's too many. I can never keep them straight anymore. They yeah, just blend I, together exactly, and literally, that's like those are the only movies that we've been going to the actual theater for. So mm. every time I go to the theater, we see a Marvel movie. So I'm like, okay, which was whatever last one was there? Yeah, that's a good answer. The last Marvel movie, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> Jason's probably gonna hear this and be like so mad at me because he probably knows. He probably yeah, knows exactly what movie we saw. It might have not even been a Marvel movie. It might have just been a movie he wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> didn't super stand out because you probably didn't know this is the last time I'm going to go to the theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Just like took it for granted, probably. (laughs) You say that going to the movie theater was kind of like a family experience when you were a kid. Uh So what was the first movie that you saw in theaters without your family? Ooh, okay. This one I remember. The Secret Window. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like 12, I think, or 13. I was seventh or eighth grade. I know I was in middle school. Oh, wow. I, yeah. And I remember because I went to the mall with my friend and like, that was like a thing. And I told my mom, I was like, we're going to go watch a movie. And she's like, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't think she really cared, but she was just like, you have the money. Like, just call me when you're done. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I had a thing for Giant Depp at the time. I think because of, <laughs> sorry, I think because of Pirates of the Caribbean. And Secret Window was not Pirates of the Caribbean. No. Isn't that rated R? They they let you into that? I think it was. We might have snuck in because it's literally about a serial killer. I don't remember it being gory or anything, though. It was very, like, thriller-esque. Yeah. PG-13, apparently. Wow. Okay. So then I oh, must my have gosh. Been 13. I must have been 13. <laughs> oh, yeah. You must have had to have been. Yeah. 
2008th grade. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I don't even remember, like, I think me and my friend were, like, mad. <laughs> like, we weren't really entertained. We were just kind of, like, annoyed. <laughs> like, what is happening in this movie? And it's got, like, a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. But what a, what a crazy first movie to see, like, alone. Right? Like, a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. And then he, like, buried the body, and then he grew corn, and then he ate the corn. That was the scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole movie. Yeah, that was the whole. <laughs> Found thing. a body, buried it, corn, <laughs> ate it. Classic serial killer tale. Mm-hmm. There's always corn involved. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite movie snack? Like your go-to snack when you go to the theater? Ooh. Crunch bits. Crunch B- bunch of crunch. Bunch of crunch. Yes, bunch of crunch. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> I feel like bunch of crunch is hard. It's like a movie theater candy. It's like hard to yeah. find other places. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like eating it. Like it doesn't feel right eating it in any other instance. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's just I need to be in a dark, cold movie theater eating bunch of crunch. Or you can also mix it with your popcorn and it melts it a little bit, and you get like Ooh. a chocolate, like salty snack. Wow, next level tips here. <laughs> <laughs> My next question we already briefly touched on. I want to know what movies you have seen in the Mile High Club. What movies you've seen on an airplane? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, as I was mentioning before. um, It was on a plane ride to Australia. Wow. And I was like 11, I think. When you were on a plane at that time, they didn't have the individual screens that so you would share the movie. (laughs) Or maybe because it was like an international flight, so it was a bigger plane. I don't know what the situation was but I remember there was like a wall or something or there's a projector screen that was like up ahead and it had the movie and so like the first like us the for the two rows we were in we could like see that but we're sharing the screen it was really weird (laughs) super weird that's fascinating that's like a legit movie theater plane right I mean it wasn't really great because I was a kid so I was like I couldn't see I'm like trying to like see and like mm. it was very frustrating and like put your seatbelt on I'm like yeah okay <laughs> I don't remember the last one I watched I've probably seen something but it's usually I think I've been opting out <laughs> like lately I don't know how it works today but or I just you know now we have our phones or our iPods or whatever so it's like you can just choose <laughs> yeah there's less of a demand on planes now to like entertain me while I'm stuck here because yeah love phones and stuff yeah so sad for the plane movie industry <laughs> yeah, the plane movie industry <laughs> they took a real hit once you know phones became everything <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> or you know when people started taking books on planes too that's like, yeah <laughs> yeah changes. god forbid people talk to each other you <laughs> gross um, <laughs> can you tell me about any movies that you saw on first dates sure yeah me and jason went to see kung fu panda i think oh that's a cute one <laughs> in, in high school like i think we went that was we went to see that and then we went, went and had chinese food after and that was like our date <laughs> that's a wonderful date did it go well i think so you're gonna see him again uh yeah you know it worked out you know we're, still, we're married for four years now <laughs> it's cool nice. i think that was literally the only one that's been like a first date movie because I haven't really been on any other like other first date experiences. Oh, they're usually just weird, <laughs> like other random things like going out to eat and then like getting high and watching cartoons or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie that we're going to talk about today, you had mentioned that um, you hadn't seen like a lot of the more mainstream sort of releases as a kid. Can you tell me more about 
that experience? Yes. So when you were saying like, oh, I've never seen this movie, it took me a second because this was so prominent in my life at that time that it was just so weird that no one else knew what this movie was, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, well, duh, because it's not a big, you know, it's not a big budget film. It's British also. I was like, oh yeah, it's like totally not American. So (laughs) I don't think anyone else would know. But at the time I had to catch up on pop culture in high school that's what I felt like because I was so used to the things that my parents would watch and which was you know mostly Indian movies and things like that and I had my tv time but it was still not the same as like if you lived in a household where everyone else in your house is watching a certain type of media or has it's just different right because it's like like it's not even your choice it's just that's how you are in your life in your house so for me it was like the things in my house were not the same things outside of my house right so I'd be like have to catch up on like knowing what was everyone else was watching things like that and yeah I think that's why I was like really into tv and that's why I'm really into tv and movies now because I'm like (laughs) I was just like absorbing all of that as I got older so when this came out it was like such a major thing between me and like my cousins who are on my age and we were just like Oh my god, we were just so obsessed with it because we've never seen anything like this in like as an English movie, like an English language movie. We're just like, whoa, this is like (laughs) huge. Like this this just doesn't exist. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it was super groundbreaking. And it's interesting that not a lot of people saw it. I'll talk about like why I didn't see it. I'll go ahead and name drop. We're going to be talking like Bend It Like Beckham, a movie which was, I'm going to drop some fun facts. Ooh, fun. A movie which in India set a record for the most tickets sold during a single weekend for a foreign movie. This movie also was the highest grossing British financed and British distributed distributed <laughs> film ever in the UK box office until Slumdog Millionaire. So once Slumdog mm-hmm. Millionaire came, it, it blew that record. But prior to that, in 20, 2002... Uh, Bennett Like Beckham is also the only Western made film to ever air on television in North Korea, randomly. Interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation as to why, and no one's really sure. Um, but what was aired was an hour version. So they cut 52 minutes of it. Ooh, I want to know what. Oh, they probably cut the club scene. The Everything, every reference to lesbians, probably. Oh my God, right? <laughs> There's a few. <laughs> it's like just soccer. Yeah. Just the football scene. <laughs> and him saying, no, you can't play. And then at the end, they're like, okay, you can play. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. <laughs> still still gets the point across. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was just like an interesting that this movie like transcends a lot of genres in that way and like yeah. can bring different people together. And I really wish that I had seen it when it came out in 2002. So I would have been in like junior high, a little bit younger than the characters in the movie because it's about Mm -hmm. two teen girls. And the reason I didn't see it was two reasons. It was marketed as, and everywhere I look, it's this is still it, marketed as a romance, like as a rom-com, which we'll get into how much I disagree. Yeah, you're right. Like I have it up right here on the side and it says sports slash romance. Yeah. No, not accurate. And I've never been into rom-coms or romance just because I find them, they're just so inaccurate and they so frequently portray toxic dynamics and play them off as cute. And so I was always like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I thought it was about uh, Kira Knightley. So as a, as a brown girl myself, like if there was ever a movie that featured a brown girl, like Lilo and Stitch, I was all over that fucking movie. It could have been a bad movie, which it wasn't. It was a great movie. Lilo and Stitch. I love Lilo and Stitch. But just the fact that it had brown people in it, like I was like, 
finally, like I yeah. can see myself, you know, I'm not Hawaiian or anything, but I can see yeah. someone a little more like me mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. in movies. But to this day, like if you do a Google search for a poster for Ben, like Beckham, it looks like it's about Kira Knightley yeah. and like her buddy. <laughs> like Yeah, is- absolutely. Yeah. I think it's like, I, we were rewatching it. Um, we looked up when Kira Knightley kind of became big and it was, I think this was her s- movie after she did Star Wars. So we're just like, oh, that's interesting how like the, she, like, cause she, that means like she probably was the biggest name like out of that cast. I mean, maybe in the Western media. I don't know about the other actors, but like, I think that was, I think she was probably like, she was probably like the actress, right? To make, they're like, okay, this is going to be, uh, the movie to make with Keira Knightley and she's going to be like boosting up our marketing and things like that. I did more research on Parminder Nagra who plays the actual main character Jess mm-hmm. and less research on Kira. So let me take a look at Kira. So she was in Phantom Menace in 1999. So two years before this, I did not realize that I did not like put those together at all as a huge Star Wars fan. That's really <laughs> weird of me. <laughs> no, but no, it's just like, you don't, think about it because the time I don't know yeah like I wonder did she know did someone know her because <laughs> like I don't know the director Gurinder Chadha mm-hmm. and correct me if I say anything wrong at all <laughs> okay the director chose Kira and Parminder like she specifically was like she had them in mind for these roles like oh. out of the gate I don't know how or why but she just like had her eye on them <laughs> that's really interesting especially when you're trying to cast like a buddy like situation you want to make sure they have chemistry at least <laughs> like yeah <laughs> which i think they do but still it was like you know speaking of chemistry well first i want to point out something really interesting about the casting mm-hmm. is that kira was 17 when they filmed this what yeah so she's oh the only like underage god. person on set oh my god because she's a baby Parminder was 27. What? No. Yeah. yeah. I could not believe that. Jesus just popped out here. Perfect. He's going to be on my Patreon. I'm going to charge extra for this episode. Featuring okay, no. Jason in his underwear. <laughs> out of the main cast, I'll tell you their, their ages. So Kara was 17. Parminder, who plays the other main character, Jess, was 27. Joe, played by Jonathan Reese, Rice Myers. No, I'm not sure you say that. He was 25, so he was two years younger than Parminder. <laughs> Whoa. Which I which I always love because a lot of times in movies, the way that they cast like two romantic or two people who are interested in each other if they're a man and a woman. Yeah. Is so often the man is like way older and the woman's mm-hmm. way younger. But in this case, the woman was older. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the captain of the team, Mel, played by Shazney Lewis. I think she was also 27. She was like about the same age as Parminder. Sister was 30. And then Tony, Jess's best friend, was was 30. Or sorry, 27. Oh, okay. So pretty much everyone, like everyone in this movie was like, well, all the main characters was yeah. like between 25 and 30. Except Kira, who was 17. Wow, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And they were both supposed to be playing like, like teenagers. Years old. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, it's a good thing Parminder's short, I guess. <laughs> she, she pulled it off. I would not have even known. Like Totally. That's... She had a very, she did a great job of just like that youthful energy. And the two of them did have great chemistry. Like I totally mm-hmm. bought that they were buddies and all that. Yeah, I thought it was really cute. 
But actually, speaking of their chemistry, what I was going to say is when you recommended this movie to me, I had heard of it. But like I said, I was like, oh, that romance about Keira Knightley. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. See, the marketing of it is just <laughs> nuts, like how they do that. And then, you know, when I'm kind of looking at there's there's another poster of it where she, like like Jess is like holding like Keira Knightley in a like headlock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it kind of looks like if, if this was like a romance. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it doesn't look about two lesbians. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, like this. <laughs> that's what I was going to get to is so I didn't google it or anything because i don't really like trailers and stuff i really like to go into movies blind like especially if someone recommends it to me i'll just watch it i don't really need to know too much about it i just went into it not knowing at all what it was really about and so as it was unfolding i was like oh shit this is a queer romance (laughs) (laughs) and i was so excited because i thought i thought that jess and jules who are kiara and parminder i thought they had such great chemistry like the, the way the characters were and there's right. a lot of nods to that where they're they're very physically affectionate which mm-hmm. you can you don't have to be queer to do that but they're but, very yeah. physically affectionate they kiss on the mouth and yeah that was so oh my god and like it just that's the story I want to see I'm like where is that yes <laughs> like that would yeah. be so interesting I want to see the director's cut because it would be <laughs> such a sweet romance and like exactly what I'm talking about when I say I don't like romance films is that they just have a tendency to be very like cookie cutter and like toxic but if this had gone the way of them like getting together, although honestly, also, if you think about it, they could have like mm-hmm. just didn't promise herself to Joe. She was just like, I'll get That's back to true. you later. They left it kind of open ended. Like they didn't really define anything about her, you know, sexuality or like anything like they, they, we don't really know. Because yeah. really that in my head canon at the end of the movie, when they when they both Jess and Jules go off to America together. Mm-hmm. their great romance begins <laughs> you're right yeah Kira Knightley turns 18 yeah. well that has to happen first yeah <laughs> this movie just tries to tackle so much like so much into like I don't know how long is the running time like 112 minutes 112 minutes they literally packed like a 10 episode like Netflix series into like 112 minutes they seriously did it's like a my so-called life it's like two seasons of my so-called life like jammed into one movie one thing that's really cool about that is like I think you're maybe giving a nod to the fact that there's like social commentary and they bring up a lot of like really heavy issues but you never really feel like you don't feel like you're watching a social commentary movie you feel like you're watching like a fun buddy possibly queer romance yeah comedy (laughs) yeah with a little bit of soccer sprinkled in you're like oh hey yeah that's the other thing is like it's marketed as a romance sports comedy but the romance Mm -hmm. alleged romance which well we could say there's definitely more romance between jess and jules than there is between jess and joe so that's the romance they mean but i don't think it is and then the sports both of those things do not take up most of the movie most of the movie is the friendship between Jess and Jules and Mm -hmm. Jess coming to terms with how she can proceed in life following her dreams while not getting disowned by her family. Yeah. A lot of family dynamics, a lot of like conflict between that. I agree. That's like, you don't see much, like you see like just montages of the soccer. Yeah. (laughs) There's been some criticism of that, of people are saying like, oh, they should have had better sports scenes or whatever. But Gurinder, the director, actually got a real players for the team. So those oh, are actually, nice. except for Mel, the mm-hmm. captain who's a who's a pop star and actress, everyone else is real football players in England. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, because they were shooting them and they were like 
you could clearly see like it was the the like it wasn't any like stunt doubles or weird like stuff like that. It was like okay, this is actual like soccer game or football game, you know? Yeah, that's respectable. Yeah, she did a lot of the director, I think, because she was the writer, director, producer. Mm-hmm. just handled absolutely everything that she did with with great respect yeah and again like if this was like like a 10 hour like series like what episode would like there'd be like so so much thought like so much football there'd be so much like <laughs> you would explore so many things like, yeah into, into detail i would watch that someone make it into I... a series they did make it into a broadway musical oh my god <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah Gurinder actually did the director. So like oh someone God. didn't like take it. She was like, she decided to make it into a stage musical. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, hey, little love kernels and popcorn frogs. This is just a quick break to recommend some other podcasts that you might enjoy. But don't touch that dial. I swear, these are actually fun, interesting trailers to listen to. So enjoy. And remember, bring your own popcorn. Ranking. Ever since the beginning of time, ranking has been part of the human culture. And that's why I've created this podcast, Rankinator, the ultimate ranking show. We take 20 items from a theme, give it to three contestants, and have them put it in order from 1 to 20 without knowing the rest of the words. But this isn't an intro, this is a trailer. So let's play some dramatic clips. The revolution will not be televised, they will not be edited. This is great. The Dick Van Dyke Show. All right, so uh, this is where we start to learn that uh, I am not culturally versed in TV shows from before my time. God, Checker's a dog got a bad rap. It sure did. Well, it's his fault for being a dumpy dog that belonged to an impeached president. I had six eggs for dinner. The last placed item was Monster Energy Drink with negative 28 points. Good. There is some justice in the world. There's Good. <laughs> there, there is a god. <laughs> yeah. I forgot of the bamboozle. I am the list master. I am the word curator. I am the one who keeps track of the listicles. I am your host, Kevin Scott Brown. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Kevin Scott Brown! And humans love to rank. Greetings, folks. This is Daniel Cordova, your host and metal guide of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. Far Beyond Metal is a show that sets out to defy what it means to be metal by exploring the minds of the musicians, writers, and metal media staples behind the genre that is largely made up of adults growling like monsters. Is the entire show an excuse for me to talk about The Simpsons, Prince, and Cats with my metal heroes? Absolutely. But we also talk about, I don't know, guitars and new albums and stuff too. Each episode also features a guest squirming as they discuss their first band and I recommend a new band for you to check out. It's a potpourri of metallic mayhem. You can find the show over at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. So in selecting a movie for this episode, I asked you to choose something that was super significant to you or a childhood favorite or something like that. Can you tell me more about why you chose this one? Yeah, I chose this one because when you said something that kind of held more significance, that changed it for me because I was like, oh, it's not just a movie I like. It's like, oh, something that's kind of like that stuck with me, that changed my perspective, that like made me have a reaction that wasn't just oh this is a good movie you know it was just like no this is something different just because it was such a new experience to see something like that on screen and I was like like 11 or 12 maybe I was I remember just thinking like how cool it was to see that how I could relate to a lot of it even though a lot of it was exaggerated and there's a lot of cultural things that are like kind of to a level where it was just is very like funny because it was like you know that was a comedy part was just like it was a little bit extreme (laughs) on some (laughs) parts but it was a 
just something that I could relate to that was a Western movie that was like first of its kind of, you know, especially with the brown girl lead and especially that she was a dark brown girl. It was not like a light skinned girl. It was like she was actually very brown. Like she was a mm-hmm. very dark skinned Indian person on screen in the lead in a movie, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I think that's also what resonated with me because I was like this kid who was like, my mom would say the same thing, stay out of the sun, you're going to get too dark and this and that. So I wouldn't play outside that much or I'd always have to wear a hat, which I still do. But like, (laughs) hats are important. But like, (laughs) but it was for different reasons. Like it was just, that was really cool, especially because Bollywood movies primarily had light skinned actresses. Like when you watch an Indian movie, like in, in any Bollywood movie, they only cast very, very fair skinned actresses. And it's just this weird beauty standard in India, which makes no sense because in a freaking country of like, you know, a billion people, most of them are pretty brown and you're not going to present that on like in their media for some reason because, you know, colorism. So, yes. <laughs> but it's that was like a huge thing. And I remember like the next day, like after watching it, I'd be like out in the yard, like with a soccer ball. It was like summer break. And I was just like, I'm going to play soccer too. Hell yeah. (laughs) You know, I was terrible, but you know, I tried. That's awesome. And and now that I know that the actress was actually like older than Kira and Joe, like (laughs) the guy who plays Joe, like that's, that's so progressive. This whole movie was actually very progressive, like for its time. I was like, God, they touch on so many points. They just, just do like a little like touch on everything they really do and I went into this movie expecting to be offended (laughs) because (laughs) because it was marketed as a romance and then because it was 2002 I was like okay I know there's going to be some outdated stuff in here yeah but there really wasn't I mean there was the mom who was kind of homophobic but like people are homophobic that's a thing that happens that was a cultural like that's just a truth just to see it you know like yeah just in case there's anyone out there who like me did not see this movie as a teen or ever. Can you give like a little summary, however you want, of just like, what is this movie about? Oh, yes. So this movie is about a young Indian woman living in Britain and specifically Punjabi because she's they're from a Punjabi family. And she just wants to play football, a.k.a. soccer for Americans. And, you know, she she meets some people who try to help her and and get her to do it but she's fighting with her family and it's just about a girl who's just wanting to live this other part of her life that's harming no one okay this is not a good summary but like it's more of a rant but but yeah it's just about her coming to terms with living her truth and compromising with her family and being honest and I think that's something that you could take away from it Absolutely. I love how you put that as living her truth. And that's why it also doesn't strike me as like a sports movie per se, because it could be anything like you could put in art or anything that's not like doesn't fall in line with what your parents want you to do. It's ultimately just about like following your dreams. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's just very inspiring as a kid. So I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to you know, conform to things. I can actually, <laughs> there's, there's hope. <laughs> Did your family ever see the movie? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a fan. It was a good favorite in the, in the scene. I think, I think movies like this also helped my parents and my like family kind of, it, it was a good bridge to 
American and like Western like life, <laughs> I guess, in a way it's like they can see how, you know, Indian people are represented in, in the media and in, in the English language movies. And, and so I think that helped them kind of like see the humor and see like the ridiculousness of some things. And yeah, that's really interesting. God, this movie just did so much labor. <laughs> I know so much know. on this movie. And it's really like we talk about it and it's like all these like it's had such a huge impact and just I can't uh, underestimate the heavy weight this movie has. And yet it's a light comedy. Like it's really fun. You're going to be laughing a lot. It's very cute. Like mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're being like fed commentary or anything, but you are. <laughs> Absolutely. And then sometimes it's like they'll just say something in the movie and then never like it's just such a quick like they'll just drop the line and you're just like, no, this is so problematic. <laughs> like, you know. Jules's <laughs> like, mom's response to she first she thinks her daughter is a lesbian and then she hears that she isn't. So her journey of that is that she thinks her daughter's a lesbian because she hears Jess and Jules fighting and thinks that it's a romantic fight. Right. Which is just she's just projecting. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's crying to her husband, Jules's dad about it and at first it was almost like oh like I can almost understand why she's upset because it seemed like she was just worried about how society would treat her because she was like you remember what they did to George Michael oh no right but then the dad and I loved his answer he was like he's still a superstar and you still listen to WAM (laughs) that's so supportive Yeah. (laughs) yeah and that was that was great that was such a like that seemed supportive. And then mom starts going to her soccer games to try to like support her, even though previously right. she'd been like, no, it's for boys. You've got to yeah. have tits and wear a bra, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Could- but then there's a scene where she is again convinced that her daughter is a lesbian and like crashes Jess's sister's wedding and tells her to get her lesbian feet out of my shoes. <laughs> Jess is wearing her shoes. <laughs> And, and all then those confused Indian ladies in the around, just like not knowing what's happening. That was one of my favorite parts because yeah, so she says, "Get your lesbian feet out of my shoes," and one of the Indian ladies says, "Lesbian? I thought she was a Pisces." Yes. I was like, "Ah, comedy." <laughs> so <good>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I died. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so much and I had to like rewind it. <laughs> It's so authentic. Like that's something I feel like someone in my family would say. Like they're not <laughs> trying to be offensive or anything. They just literally just they have no idea. Yeah. What's going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so she goes to Jules's mom, mm-hmm. rips her away from the wedding, and is driving her away, angry and sad, and yelling at her, crying for being a lesbian. <laughs> and once she's convinced that she's not a lesbian, she's suddenly completely calm and is like, basically like the Seinfeld, like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, yeah. It's suddenly. <laughs> Literally. And I was like, that is insane. Like, like they just like condense all of that into this like short little bit. And you're like, what? This could, yeah. this could be a whole thing. Yeah. Very realistic. I feel like it's a very yeah. great portrayal of something that could really happen. Exactly. And then you think about the character, like what happened in the mom's life? Like, is she, is she projecting? Like, is there something in her history? That could be a whole episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. Cause like, maybe that's why she's crying so much. Cause she's like, my daughter gets to live the truth. I never lived, oh but God, it's so right? scary. <laughs> oh, I liked that actress. It did make me laugh though. She was just like, I don't know. She's just really quirky. <laughs> I love her so much. Juliet Stevenson played the mom and she's like not a good person per se, but you love her. Like you can't yeah. not love yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. She does the character well. Like so, in, in so good. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's a sign of like a really good actor or actress if they're playing like a kind of a distasteful character, but you just like want to see more of them. Like every time she was on screen, I was like, yes, what's she going to do next? (laughs) Yeah, just like the ridiculousness of it all. Yeah. Oh my God. And now that I know that Kira Knightley was 17, it makes like their dynamic even better because (laughs) she's literally a teenager. Like, yes, dealing with her mom. That's funny. Super realistic. And I love all of Kira's like, mom. (laughs) I know. So another interesting thing that I noticed when I was writing down the names for everyone and then something else that shows that this is not a romance, like I don't think they wrote the screenplay thinking this is a romance. Joe, the character who I think Mm. people are saying is the romance lead opposite Jess, has no last name. His character is the only person that doesn't have a last name. Oh my God. That's how insignificant he is. Wow. Don't Everyone else, know. even Jess's mom and dad have like full names. That's, wow. Yeah. That is hilarious. He's I not mean, that important. He's not that important. He's not. And he's like, ugh. I feel like his chemistry was weird too a little bit. Like it felt just like forced sometimes. It was. Yeah, I didn't. That I think that was probably my biggest criticism of, is the chemistry wasn't there. And apparently the director, Gurinder Chata, cast him because he, she said he was the big heartthrob. She was like, she wanted to cast a heartthrob and girls oh, were like, loved like, him. So mm. she was like, okay, cast the heartthrob. But I don't know if that aged well. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, who? Yeah. He definitely has a look to him. I can see it. But I'm just like, I don't know. He, he's just weird. And also his, like, just the most inappropriate coach athlete relationship. <laughs> like, so ever. inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> just what? Yeah, and Jess is even, like, trying to play it cool and, like, trying to, because, yeah, she knows it's inappropriate. Well, Jules tells her it is. I think mm-hmm. I think she knows that, too, though. It's kind of Joe who keeps coming back and keeps yes, pursuing. Because think about it. Like, she, now watching it again as an adult, I was like, you don't, you can't even tell Jess is even remotely into Joe in that way. Like, you can tell she respects him and that, like, she likes that he's the coach and she's learning stuff from him and that she gets, you know, like, friendship, there's a friendship there. But that, like, I was like, I did not get the sense that she was really into him. <laughs> like, and then, like, they, that weird scene where she was in Jules's room and they had the picture and she was, I was like, was that supposed to indicate, like, <laughs> the tension and, like, it was there a little bit. But, yeah, I think the chemistry wasn't there between the actors. And then the worst moment. Uh, that showed that was the creepy airport kiss oh yeah that was really awkward and and uh, like kind of too long too like (laughs) it was like long and tender and like they were kissing like they had just had sex and like you know like they were like rubbing noses and it was like oh no oh no No, you're you're very young and you barely know each other what are you doing at the airport five feet away from your parents that's not sexy yeah, no, no. I was like, that should be anxiety. Like, you should be very anxious right now. Like, that's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not safe at all. If I changed anything about the movie, it would be that. It would be like he kissed her on the head instead. Like, kissed her on the top of her head. That would have been okay. Yeah, right. Or he would just like not even be there. <laughs> yes, actually, <laughs> like, totally fine if he wasn't there. Yeah, especially considering the way that he ran up to them. Did you oh catch my his God. Yes, we were watching those. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's not. Or how is that an efficient way of running? And like, you just look crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he got away with that because Parminder Nagra and Kira Knightley had to do ten weeks of football training, nine hours a day. 
what the fuck? And, and then guy, Joe's over here running Joe's like <laughs> just flailing his arms like uh, oh my god. He was like tiptoeing while like flailing his arms back and forth. I'm trying to describe it for the audio listeners. Yes. <laughs> it's one yes, of the weirdest runs we've ever seen. Oh. It's okay, Bandit. I know. I know. He hated the way that Joe runs. He did. Well, that's not right. <laughs> How come he didn't have to do the football training? <laughs> yeah. Also, he was supposed to have a messed up knee, and yet I saw him running around doing all kinds of things on his knee. <laughs> Very true. (laughs) Something really interesting about this movie is that there's a backstory that you kind of see in the beginning where Jess does not want to wear the regulation shorts. She -hmm. wants to wear something that covers her legs Mm -hmm. and she won't get on the field. And so Joe goes over and talks to her about that. And it turns out she's got a scar from a burn that she got on her leg. And he talks to her and like, oh, well, it doesn't affect your playing. Don't worry about it. So she Mm -hmm. gets past that moment, which is a really great, sweet moment to encourage people everywhere to like, don't just don't worry about how you look. It's just about exactly and they, that was also super like a super big point and they just did a little like touch point on it and they're like all right let's move on but i was like that's such an like that's such a good little piece again for a movie in 2002 like that and just oh it was so good yeah and to not have to make like tragedy someone's whole identity just like yeah, yeah. that's part of her life and she can work around it and i think there's like a level of like cultural stuff because leading up to that moment you think at least for me i was like oh she's not wearing shorts because like it's just indian culture you have to be modest don't show your legs kind of thing so she's just kind of like she's not comfortable with that which probably was kind of true but then like the scar part kind of like subverted your expectations you're like oh it's something else deeper and then you know like personal experience indian parents or moms at least are very like they just want everything to be perfect. So they just like, they'll probably like perpetuate that idea that you have to cover it or whatever. So it's like more mm-hmm. so just, so that was, that was a good moment. Yeah, her mom makes a comment later of like, you're letting everyone see your scar, but mm-hmm. it's great. Cause she's just like, yeah. And I don't care. It's yeah. fine. Did you know that that story and the scar are both real? Oh, wow. Carmander oh. really has that scar and that's really how she got it. So she describes that um, she was making baked beans on toast and she climbed up on the counter and her shorts got on fire and her sister put her in the wet tub and ripped the shorts off and unfortunately ripped some skin off too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ouch. So that really happened. And she was worried when she was cast in the role, she was like, how am I going to show my legs? And mm-hmm. the director was like, don't worry about it. We write it into the script. Boom. That's amazing. That's <laughs> such an amazing part on the director to yeah. include that. And yeah, I remember her telling that story and I was like, beans on toast. Like this God from British things. Fucking <laughs> <Like in> Brits. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. The director got to do other like things. I, have, I don't know. I hope like it's just. Yeah. Nothing that super. Um, transcended like borders and boundaries the way this one did but yeah. she had a lot of success I I just like fell in love with her reading her story it's amazing so she started doing radio in the 80s she did like British radio and then she did a little bit of British television uh, and then in 1990 with no film experience at all she was just like I'm gonna start a film production company oh, and nice. she did and then she released a movie the following year which like immediately was nominated for awards her first movie with her first experience in film. Uh, and then she had Baji on the Beach in 1993, 
which I oh, really want to see. Yeah, that's like something my parents always talk about. Like <laughs> that's like a like a movie they always talk about. To watch. Have, they, have they seen it or they want to see it? They they saw it. They've seen it. I don't think I've seen it, and they always tell me that I need to watch it. <laughs> I really want to see it. Yeah, sounds especially like knowing if this is how she approaches her movies, mm-hmm. like really fun, but like with commentary and like just respect given to everybody. Yeah. I want to see it. Also, bees, bees in the title. She likes that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, her next movie was Bride and Prejudice. Oh, Bride and Prejudice. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. I think I've, I'm familiar with her work now. She's probably okay. the only one making these types of movies during that time. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Uh, yeah. yeah, she definitely has a. From what I was reading, she has a, like a type of movie. And it's often about Indian people in Britain and like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. experience of that. Yeah, which I love. I feel like that needs to happen in America because I can't think of anything that has that. I mean, now it's cool because we have shows that are like centering around that topic, but it's be cool. I haven't seen any like movies like that. So that's that's super true, because when you said that, the first thing I thought of was City of Ghosts. Have Mm -hmm. you seen that? Mm -mm. It's a animated series on Netflix that just came out and hopefully it gets renewed for a new season. But it's about. A group of brown kids living in Los Angeles who go around interviewing ghosts, but they're all, it's all about their experiences, like different cultures within the greater culture of Los Angeles and America. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. No movies. Yeah. I can't think of I know any movies that are doing that. We need our own Gurinder. We need an American Gurinder. Yeah. <laughs> Literally like, I'm like the only movie I that had another, like... <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the movie that had an impact on me after Benedict like Beckham, I think, was Harold and Kumar. And I don't know, that didn't really lead to like anything. Yeah. Not quite as groundbreaking. Yeah, not as groundbreaking. It just made me really want to do drugs. And you know what? It succeeded. It's fine. <laughs> so you're very uh, impressionable with movies. It sounds like see a soccer movie, start playing soccer. See a drug movie, right. start doing drugs. And it's like, as long as there's an Indian person, I'm going to be like, yeah, see, they can do it. I can do it then. <laughs> I would definitely be the same way because like yeah we don't uh we don't see ourselves like as kids who are not white and like the stereotypical like cookie cutter image of what kids are supposed to be yeah and then you finally see yourself you gotta be like oh that's me so I gotta do what they're doing (laughs) exactly they're fulfilled right yeah right (laughs) that way so bend it like Beckham was nominated for a shit ton of awards Nice. It won five of them, but they weren't anything I'd heard of, so I didn't even write them down. It was like <laughs> it wasn't like Golden Globes or anything. It was like right. some random like I don't even know. Hmm. But Parminder was nominated for ten awards, and she won three of them for nice. her acting. Well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah, she did so good. Like it, it was. She was so natural too. It was a very natural role. It wasn't anything over the top. Mm-hmm. She then got a recurring role on ER as recommended by Gurinder. I guess Gurinder Chada knew someone who worked on ER, and oh, she cool. was like, "Hey, cast her," and they did. Nice. <laughs> very nice. The budget for this film was six million dollars, and it made one hundred four point six million in the box office. Holy crap! Big ass profit. Yeah, big well ass deserved. profit. Well deserved. And you know what? The thing about this movie is that, like, the way it's shot, you could, t- I don't know what camera they used, you know, but there are some shots where I'm like, this clearly looks like it could have used a little bit more color grading or like turned something <laughs> down. 
um, but the camera work is so fun because like you, there's so many different shots and so many different types of shots throughout the movie and like you can tell they got really creative with it <laughs> it's super funny I was noticing that like so I watched it several times I actually watched it as soon as I finished it I was like well I have to watch that again <laughs> so I just restarted it which yeah. I don't normally do that's not like my standard thing but I was like yeah I gotta watch that again because uh, mm-hmm. I loved it so much Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've watched it several times since then just to make sure I have the full experience and remember yeah. things better. But I've noticed that more on my rewatches is a lot of the the, the camera work is very interesting and definitely it, it comes off as a little amateur, but in a way that I want to see more of. Yeah, it, it's like it doesn't charming. have to be perfect. Yeah, it's charming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the part of the charm of this movie is that like. You know, this was the first, I think for me, it's like, yeah, it's the first representation of like an Indian person and in the media. And like, I was just so excited about that. And I love that it's kind of amateur made because it makes it more like, like just elusive, like this movie that exists. And you're like, what is this? Like, it's a little art project. Yeah. Really authentic, genuine, straight from the heart. Like we, I saw it so many times as a kid, like we watched it all the time and we'd have like our inside jokes of just like quoting like random stuff and and I think it's funny as a kid, I remember watching it and I didn't really think anything of about the social commentary, you know, I was just watching it and it was a movie and I thought it was cool. And oh, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy I got to like be exposed to that because it's just, it was really cool. Yeah. I'm happy you did too. <laughs> I wish they had marketed it differently because I've heard other people say the same thing as me. And I, I listened to some other film podcasts about, about it mm-hmm. to kind of see what people were saying about it these days and it was the same thing they were like so i'd never seen this movie because i thought it was about kira knightley <laughs> it's like god it sucks yeah and see okay then there's that i'm like it there is a little bit of a kind of like almost white savior complex because because uh, jules is like just watching jess in the park you know <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like what did, is she like oh you know what though you know what though I just, your I think theory about her being a lesbian makes more sense now because like mm-hmm. why was she just sitting there watching her in a park and then she could just like hey you're really good at football I'm gonna go introduce you to my coach and be on our team and it's like who are you yeah <laughs> like, she so she sees her once she's like jogging through the park and she sees her and it's like hey who's that girl <laughs> so she comes back to the same park on different days to look for her right. very cute very cute very obsessed like that's <laughs> <laughs> slightly obsessed yeah <laughs> And it's just, it's just very much, I feel like they just wanted to like get to the point. There's like, we need to just get Jess on this team. Like, like, let's just write this part real quick. Like, it doesn't matter how she gets there. We just need to make sure she gets there. So yeah, it makes more sense. She's definitely in love with her. Yeah, that's what I think. That's the movie I want to see, even though I love this one as it, as it is. And I think that would be more stronger kind of story to explore, like with her family and like, all the cultural dynamics i was like ah, oh, that would be crazy because you see their reaction of how like like when they just thought uh when jules and jess was at the bus stop and mm-hmm. the other family saw them and then thought something was going on and it's just like so dramatic <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like maybe that's a movie that could be explored now because it does feel like people were not ready for that in 2002 mm-hmm. and in some ways i felt like this was the director's way of testing the waters or like exploring 
that idea without pushing it so far that people would just be like, oh, no, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we kept thinking Tony was gay, too. I don't know. I got that vibe. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you knew. <laughs> yeah. After that. yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. He might be. Yeah. Yeah. They had a really sweet relationship, a little unbalanced, but gosh, everyone needs a Tony. What a good friend. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't get enough stage time for sure. Then just like another part of that movie is just like I had a lot of like friends that were boys <laughs> in school. Like I had a lot like just naturally I had more guy friends and girlfriends. I think that also hit a point because like my mom, like literally, I think she did either think she either thought I was a lesbian or I was just sleeping around and I was like 15. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> like, like I don't know, man. This is just my life. Yeah. I did either of those things. So that like resonated too because it's like yeah you just ah, so much judgment for no reason yeah why can't we just be ourselves Mm -hmm. that's this movie man this movie is just telling you to be yourself yeah and i remember also the title bend it like beckham like it took a long time for me to understand what that meant because i never like i was like what what are they bent i don't understand like (laughs) what's happening yeah i guess gurinder had to make a statement in an interview because yeah people were not getting it well people were not getting the metaphor of it right because bending it in soccer is the thing where you like kick the ball in a certain way so it looks like it's going to go straight but then it like curves around the old net slot (laughs) right (laughs) soccer terms yes yeah but she said that it the idea was that she feels that women have to do that all the time just with being able to pursue their own dreams you kind of have to like make it look like you're doing what society wants and then right. kind of sneak by in order to get to, you know, really pursue the things that you want to pursue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also like shout out to just Minder's dad. The, I feel like he was, he came through at the end. Like yeah. <laughs> that sweet moment too. All the dads, the dads are coming through in this movie for sure. Yeah, for sure. I love the dads in this movie. I did see some criticism of that because there is like a little bit of a stereotype of where not a little bit. There's a big stereotype where dads are like the fun ones and then moms are like the hard asses. Yeah. And it is based on like some reality, Mm -hmm. but the reality is also conforming to the stereotype. So it's like, and you know, I think also because this movie is so much talking about um, like how to be feminine and like them going against that norm of being feminine in the way that society wants them to be. So I feel like that dad masculine energy is probably like a little bit in a more positive light in this movie because of that. So that makes sense. So the dad was played by Anupam Kher. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's actually a really big name in Bollywood. So he's like, it's funny. He plays that character. He plays the dad, like (laughs) in most movies, he plays the, the dad and he's always sweet. So, oh, nice. He just plays sweet dad. Usually, yeah, goofy dad, sweet dad. <laughs> sweet, <laughs> he's never goofy dad. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's never really too uh, dramatic, which is fun. He's like that character. He's that actor. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I looked at his filmography, and he's got like a pretty long list of English movie or English language films. Mm-hmm. But then, like his like Bollywood and Indian movies, there was like more there must have been hundreds just like i was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling yeah yeah they he's been yeah and everything like he's a staple (laughs) yeah big big name big hard hitter he was probably the bigger name in this 
over Kira Knightley. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, you know, my parents were watching this. Like, they don't know anyone except for, like, they know him. They're like, oh, hey. Like, like, yeah. okay. Him and then other fun fact, the there there's a very, very, very old woman in, I think, at one of the scenes, like, in the, like, when they're outside of the house after the wedding and just, like, mm-hmm. super old lady um she plays like the grandma i think she's the one who says like oh i thought she was a pisces or something <laughs> okay <laughs> like, yeah she, Love her. she also was a big name at the time she was always the the old lady oh <laughs> <laughs> how fun <laughs> oh another thing i loved was in after the or like gur- during the credits mm-hmm. did you they mm-hmm. show just like them hanging out on set yeah and they're having so much fun and it was like when that played i was like yes this is why i loved this movie because i could feel how much fun everyone was having and then here's the actual video evidence of how much they love doing this yes and i think that made it so much more better and like like the whole amateur feel of it made it i don't know it's just like sweeter like oh this was like a like a project and it was like a community and like it was cute it was very cute also reminded me because of culture stuff there was that one part, that scene where they were playing the match and someone called Jess um, a packy, which is basically like a very derogatory term in Britain. And it's funny because mm. I remember watching that and I didn't get, like I didn't get that context. I mean, I knew obviously I knew it was like something bad because of the way they were treating it, but I never heard that before because I was mm. American, right? So I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but um, that was also something I learned like early on was like all these other like racist things in other countries and like mm-hmm. in Britain I'm like oh that's like totally weird then Joe saying something like he's like oh no I understand because I'm Irish and then we <laughs> and I was like no it's not the same dude <laughs> oh, no. like, imagine telling someone you understand like it's what it's like to be called the n-word because I can't even think of a parallel because right. like you're saying because you're Irish and you're literally in Britain like that's not even that's even wor- like I don't even know I don't know if that's better or worse there is like legit or there was legit persecution against Irish people but yeah it's just not the fucking same at all yeah no like more strike against Joe like just <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah why well, doesn't have a last name <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I think the last thing it's not an it's not a significant moment but it's the one moment in the film where I was like, what is happening here exactly? And it felt like an inside joke or something. So I was going to see if you have any oh, idea yeah. what this scene meant. After the wedding, there's a scene where you just suddenly see the cinema- the wedding cinematographer mm-hmm. and everyone in the wedding party fucking brawling. They're like fighting in the hallway. And then it just it just cuts, cuts to that and then cuts away. And I was like, what was that? Okay, so I have a couple theories on that. <laughs> it could be a couple things. Like first thing, you're right. It, I mean, now that you're saying it could be a cultural thing, it, it absolutely is. There's always kind of like drama and stuff that happens at weddings. And, and historically, that's just, I could see that happening. Um, but Another theory is that I think throughout the movie, I don't see, I can't say this. I like, don't hold me to this, but I think there's there's, there's a a female character who is like making out with the, with like multiple guys throughout the movie or like she's, there's something happening, which there's a couple, there's like a couple things. I think she's just like going around with all these different dudes 
and there's different scenes throughout the movie where you kind of see that and I think they're all fighting over her oh. but I'm like I don't know if that's for sure I need to go back and like rewatch to I see think, I think you're right because yes I recognized a woman that was like in the middle and she was making out with the guy earlier in the bathroom and then another time she was flirting with another guy when they were dancing yeah. I think and you're I think right at first I thought they were all the same guy <laughs> at the end when that happened I was like oh no yeah they're definitely fight okay they're, yeah they're all fighting over her <laughs> It was like so random. That's such a random plot, like C plot that's happening. It was. Yeah, they need to be a little bit more explicit on that. But yeah. super funny that there's a nice Easter egg for you in the background. Yeah, there you go. That's that's so fun. Thank you so much for suggesting this movie and giving me the great experience of seeing something that I wouldn't have watched otherwise because I thought it was a romance about Gear Knightley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you for being on the podcast. It was really fun having you on. Yay, thank you for having me. And now you can go out and spread the word and um, rebrand this movie for people who haven't seen it yet. Hell yeah, rebranding. <laughs> Bennett Like Beckham. Mm-hmm. Watch it. <laughs> and the musical, apparently. Now I have to see what that's about. <laughs> the musical, yeah. Cool. Thank you. I'm a popcorn frog. I like pop.